Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Mickey Stott. I want to pay my respects to country and to all the elders, past and present, who've been part of the struggle for so long now for sovereignty and self-determination. This week on Earth Matters, we'll hear part two of a two-part series. It's called False Promises and Real Solutions, featuring a bunch of anti-geoengineering activists. And they're speaking at a webinar in November last year that was organised by the COP26 Coalition. And in part one of these series, we already heard from Sarah Shaw from Friends of the Earth International and Gopal Dianani and Tom Wakeford from ETC Group who explained why geoengineering is a false solution to climate change that amounts to little more than greenwashing for the fossil fuels industry. And today we'll hear from Dipni Putnagar from Friends of the Earth International on how people power and energy sufficiency can provide a real solutions alternative to this false solution of geoengineering. I wanted to pivot a little bit more to the real solutions. We already heard why these are false solutions, right? These will not work. There, some of the science absolutely doesn't, doesn't work out. For me, sitting here in Mozambique, to be honest with you, the biggest thing why these are false solutions is that they're going to devastate more lives in the South than is already happening. Because the whole concept of net zero and offsets presumes that northern countries and corporations are going to use some of the land, some of the forest, some of the lake somewhere to be able to absorb the, the CO2 and whose land, whose forests are that. They're our people's lands in the South, in Latin America, in Africa, in, the, in Asia and, and the Pacific. And we say absolutely no to that. We say absolutely no, this is not your carbon sink. This is our land, this is our forest. So what are the real solutions that we're talking about? I wanted to just tell you about Friends of the Earth International, myself and Sarah, we worked on this uh, People Power Now Energy Manifesto. And we really thought about what is the kind of energy future that we want to see. One of the questions was really interesting that I answered already. Uh, I typed in the answer talking about, you know, should we accept a little bit of geoengineering or is that going to be dangerous? And honestly, we say absolutely no, because it's not a technical issue that we're facing right now. Climate change isn't the only crisis that we're facing. We're facing many, many other crises. We're facing a biodiversity crisis. We're facing a pandemic right now, a health crisis, which, which has happened because of the way that we treat the planet and because of the fact that we put profit before people all the time. We're facing an unemployment crisis. We're facing an inequality crisis. And climate justice is really about not just fixing technically the climate crisis, but really bringing justice to the world, which means dealing with all of the other crises. It's the way that we treat the planet and other people's bodies, mostly brown and black bodies, mostly women's bodies, is the reason why we find ourselves in this situation today. So it's not a technical problem. It's not a PPM problem. Someone also asked about, we have gone quite high on the PPM scale. We should be at 350 PPM. It's about human lives, honestly. We need to do whatever we can right now to stop not just the climate crisis, but all of the other crises. And every single thing that we can do is going to save more lives. It doesn't matter what the PPM on the scale is. It doesn't matter. 
it honestly matters what is the, what are the human relations that we're dealing with so in terms of what is our energy future that we want to see the first one is about system change and people power now it's about organizing and mobilizing for the future that we want to see it means power in the hands of people we look at energy as a common good it's not a commodity to be bought and sold it's absolutely essential for a dignified life means it should be accessible to all it should be a human right energy sufficiency for all the third principle that's really interesting because there are people in this planet who are using way too much energy and way too many resources and there are 70% of the people in this country in mozambique who do not have a light bulb in their homes so there is a serious in in inequality that we're dealing with and we need to be able to see that some people need to use less energy and less resources and some need to use more that's what energy sufficiency is about we're going to need finance our countries we're going to need support to be able to have this transition now we in the south need to be careful and we need to make our governments accountable when those funds come in that they're not going to get wasted that is the people power the system change accountability at our level that needs to happen too but we are going to need finance to be able to do this 100% renewable energy for all it goes without saying we need to keep the coal in the hole the the, the oil in the soil and the gas in the grass and we need to stop fossil fuels and we need to move towards renewable energy but not renewable energy for the elites renewable energy for all that's really important and that renewable energy needs to be climate resilient locally appropriate and low impact it doesn't mean that we're going to go deep into the congo we're going to destroy somebody else's body and somebody else's forest to get rare earth minerals for our solar panels that we're going to then export to the us and they're going to have renewable energy no we need to make sure that our renewable energy is sustainable and is not destroying someone else's body or someone else's home energy sovereignty and energy democracy those are the basic principles by which we need to build our energy future and these are the principles that we need to see in our energy future it isn't just words on a screen it's actual human lives we owe it to ourselves and to this planet to build this kind of energy future to be just for everybody just transition is extremely important who are the workers right now who go down into those mines into the coal mines who work on the oil rigs and what happens to their bodies and what happens to the women in their lives who have to take care of their bodies the care work when their bodies can no longer sustain themselves properly so we really need to think about care work as well so just transition for workers and their communities is really important so we need to remove obstacles to renewable energy and we need to create a world free from patriarchy and all systems of oppression domination and inequality now moving from energy to some of the other real solutions to the climate crisis that are absolutely going to be essential so this isn't only about the fossil fuel industry but also about the agri business industry which contributes hugely to the climate crisis but also to the other crises like land grabbing and the way our food system has become which is not accountable to people so we need to push for community level food systems and peasant agroecology small holder farmers feed 70% of the world they are the ones that we need to make sure they have the rights that they have the land rights that people have the forest rights and they're able to produce the food and take care of the ecosystems the ecosystem restoration that sara talked about is, is on the ground is going to happen needs to happen with communities and with land rights and forest rights for those communities 
And community forest management is a really, really important part of, of the story of the real solution. And it's, it's very much with a cultural and a spiritual tradition. It's not just about the technical aspects. And that beautiful photo is a village called Namasha, which is about one hour drive from here. It's in Mozambique at the Swaziland border. And, and there's people doing agroecology there and feeding themselves. And that's what we need to encourage and support and, and support them to have their land rights. Okay, pivoting a little bit, real solutions to the climate crisis. We need to dismantle corporate power. The way that corporations rule the roost at the moment is the reason why we are in these crises and why we are only going to go deeper into these crises unless we dismantle their power and, and give it to the people and give it to bodies that are accountable to the people and transparent to the people. So I just wanted to point out for you, there are two websites here, makebigpolluterspay.org and liabilityroadmap.org. This is work that we've done along with Corporate Accountability International. Uh, Friends of the Earth has also been involved. And the liability roadmap has an entire roadmap for how can we hold corporations accountable for their crimes at different levels, at the local, national, regional, and international levels. And of course, the binding treaty to hold corporations accountable is being pushed at Geneva you know, governments are extremely resistant to it, but that work is going on. And that's a really important part of the future we need to see. And there's another element of, of corporations, how corporations are trying to benefit from the pandemic by using this ISDS system. And we need to make that stop. And there are some demands for that right now. And of course, the point about reclaiming our democracies we really need to be able to have our leaders accountable to us and not to the polluters. Otherwise, very little of all of this is going to change. So that's a really important part. And of course, big tech is trying really hard to you know, mess with our democracies and we need to be able to reclaim that. So it, corporations of many different types are extremely problematic. Fossil fuel corporations, agribusiness corporations, but also don't forget the big tech. Solidarity is such an important value, such an important emotion that we need to take into the future that we need to see. And of course, gender justice and dismantling patriarchy is an extremely important part of the future that we want to see. And I talked about it a little bit before, but it's really about valuing care work and making sure that the work that literally keeps our bodies alive isn't relegated to, oh, this is something that the women are going to do anyway, but that it's actually valued and it doesn't mean monetary value. It means we need to build a system where, the, where this kind of work to keep us alive, to, to create our children, to grow our food is actually valued. It's, it's a system of, it's a value system that we need to change. Again, it's not a technical problem. We've developed these principles for a just recovery. They're on the Friends of the Earth International website. But it's really about abandoned neoliberalism. We've seen what has happened to our health systems, which now are unable to respond to COVID because of what has been done to our countries in terms of austerity for so many years. So that is something that we need to fight against. Our recovery measures need to be built on cooperation and solidarity, what I was talking about earlier, building and strengthening democracy and making sure that we respond to the multiple crises and not look at the climate crisis just as a carbon problem. This is really important for folks in the North. We need to fight for equity and fair shares because it's really clear who created the climate crisis 
And the northern countries who created this crisis and benefited from this crisis built up their societies by burning all of that carbon all of these years, all of these centuries, need to actually do more and do their fair share in emissions reductions, stop the emissions at source, do not outsource them to our country, stop the emissions there at source, do not support dirty energy in our countries either. The UK government has recently given uh, money to Mozambique to do the gas extraction. We're fighting against it here and we're working with Friends of the Earth uh, in England to do that as well. And they've just taken the UK government to court. So this is about alliances between North and South, but really we need our colleagues in the North to hold your countries accountable or to do the fair share. We need to fight dirty energy at source wherever it's happening, not just because it creates the climate crisis, but it creates many, many other crises and devastates lives all over. So we ask for solidarity and we say we need to stop the, the fossil fuels everywhere. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. There's a question about, uh, I thought Gopal could answer about these scenarios that the IPCC came up with. These are a range of scientists. They haven't got a dog in the fight. Uh, should we should we trust them, Gopal? Over, over to you. So first, I just want to note that um, the IPCC, I think people realize, probably know this, but it's... Um, it's a politically negotiated document in which all kinds of quote unquote science is compromised in order to achieve something that governments can agree to. And there's so much political pressure to include this or that, including geoengineering. I want to speak more broadly to um, I, I kind of think there's a climate science industrial complex. I kind of feel like I'm done with the climate science trying to convince me that the problem is real. I can look out my window and see that it's real. I can hear the voices of indigenous peoples and frontline communities who are telling me that it's real. I really don't need any more science telling me that it's real. What I really need is for us to put our time and energy and resources into figuring out how to navigate the transition. And this is particularly true when we talk about the kinds of ways in which the discourse around we have 12 years, um, the, the politics of desperation. And I, I, I just want to remind people that, yes, we have an urgent problem, but we cannot allow urgency to enable desperation because desperation enables false solutions. And anything is better than nothing will lead to nothing or worse. I would argue that the problem of the desperation and the sort of fanciful techno fixes that geoengineering, for example, puts forward, it's all based on a deep underlying cultural phenomenon, like this idea that the climate crisis is, um, is something to be battled. It is something to be fought. It's rooted in this linear narrative of conquest. We can conquer the planets, um, the planetary systems. We can just find a solution, which is, you know, it's rooted in these linear narratives of conquest that are at the foundation of Western colonialism that got us here in the first place. 
And instead, we should be thinking, what does it tell us about what is wrong with our relationship to each other and the rest of the living world? I would argue that these kind of sci-fi, techno-fix, huge-scale proposals are actually a reflection of a profound lack of imagination, even though they seem sci-fi and fancy, because it comes from the inability to imagine living in a different way with each other and the rest of the living world. And for indigenous peoples, for peoples in the global south, for peasants, for those of us who are trying to live in a different way with each other, we actually are able to imagine a world outside of extractivism and colonialism um, and capitalism. And therefore we don't feel the need to hack the planet. But if you only imagine the world as the way the world is, then these kinds of desperate things see the only way forward. And I would invite us to stop thinking about the problem as just about carbon in the atmosphere and think about it in the way Deepthi described. So Gopal, the, the second question I was going to put to you was about a kind of trade union approved local carbon capture projects and what your view was on them. If, if local unions, local people like them, then are they a good thing? Yeah, carbon capture and sequestration. First of all, there's a huge larger problem, which is the scale in which you would be you would need to actually capture and sequester carbon is so off the scale at which we currently have the capacity to even imagine doing it. And we don't even have the geological capacity to hold it. So there's that problem. The most important thing here is that this is a distraction from what we really need to do, which is shut down coal-fired power plants and transition to energy democracy, which, and that transition must include the interests, needs, and preserving the livelihoods of those who are impacted by that transition. That's an, a, a key principle of just transition. And desperately trying to hold on to coal because it's your livelihood is... Um, it's sort of, it's like selling our children out for our paycheck now. And it is our responsibility in the transition to, to support workers and working class people in that transition. And that's really at the heart of just transition. And I think that's a really important principle that always needs to be uplifted by the climate movement if we want to be a climate justice movement. Thanks so much, Gopal. So, uh, Sarah, have you got some questions you'd like to answer just a flag i think everything that we 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 talked about it does point to like dramatic sort of system transformation that the world cannot stay as it is that it's a, it's a bigger picture than that and we're trying to do a piece of work at the moment that is trying to look at what some of those pathways are that are transformative that are not based on false solutions but also are not based on the status quo that life continues as it is that business as usual happens that the world is the way it is and one of the main things that we found, and it's it's been highlighted in an Oxfam report recently as well, it's, it's, it's kind of um, similar research, is that you have to deal with inequality. You have to deal with the injustice and inequality and the building of, of, of capital by very few people. You have to address that to actually untangle the whole system and to reach a kind of pathway that actually makes sense. So we're hoping to be able to launch that soon, and hopefully that will be an interesting um, and challenging kind of piece of work that helps us to think differently about bringing that transformation. I don't know if Deepti you want to say anything to finish. 
you know, when we talk about false solutions and real solutions, for me, it goes back to the, the human angle. Someone talked about, you know, we have this degraded agricultural land, can't we use it? For sure, let's do everything that we can, but let's respect the people who are on those lands. Let's make sure that they have the land rights and not that some corporation comes in and says, okay, I own this land now because I am using it as a carbon sink. It's not your carbon sink, it's somebody's land, even if it's degraded for that matter. So this is really about giving, it's about building power from the ground up and, and people have protected their lands and their forests for ages. And it's the modern system, which is actually degrading those lands. I mean, we have a, a coal company here in Mozambique, a Brazilian coal company, Val, which took 40,000 hectares of land and just, you know, denigrated it completely. That was a forest. So it's, let's, let's be really honest about who is destroying the land. It's fossil fuel corporations, it's agribusiness corporations, and they're the ones that we need to stop. And we need to protect people whose resources are their survival. They're not doing this to trade on the stock market. They're using those lands literally to keep their bodies and their families alive. And that's what we need to be able to support that's the future that we need to see. Ecosystem restoration, taking care of our forests is absolutely part of, the, of, of our future that we need to see. But who is doing it and, and who's, who is having the right to that land is a really, really important question. And I think that's, for me, that's the key to it. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks, Divti. So um, great to, to end on some real solutions as opposed to the false ones and uh, good luck with all your struggles wherever you are to address these life and death issues. You've been listening to part two of False Promises and Real Solutions on Earth Matters with Dipney Putnagar and Sarah Shaw from Friends of the Earth International at foei.org and Gopal Dianani and Tom Wakeford from ETC Group at etcgroup.org. Speaking at a webinar in November last year that was organised by the COP26 Coalition on how geoengineering is a false solution to the climate crisis and what the viable alternatives are that we need to be looking at to get ourselves out of this mess we're in. You can find part one of this two-part series on our website at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. And if you're listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced with the support of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam, And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for this week, so tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. And we're going to go out with Anaka and Poppy. If it dies, we die.
genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing whitefellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Yeah, yeah, so I was going right on 100. The sun was just starting to go down right on dusk. It just jumped out on me. It's like it didn't even know I was there. The chances are it didn't. Because to Victorian wildlife, our road is just another part of their home. It's our job to drive safely to protect them. To report a wildlife collision, call Wildlife Victoria on 8400 7300. A safe drive saves our wildlife. Supported by TAC. A 3CR supporter. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.